orange. Purple. Purple. Squirrel. 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 How do you say it? Squirrel. Squirrel. Kind of like swirl or twirl like the chocolate bar. Kind of. Squirrel. Do you have twirls over there? No, that's a Cadbury thing. Twelves? Twirl? Twirl. Twirl. What's the difference between a twirl and a flake, really, if you break it down? I think a twirl is a flake encased. Encased in what? Mm, Chocolate. It's itself. So that it doesn't flake onto you. You have a Cadbury flake over there? Is it like a fourth dimensional kind of thing? So the flake is like Cadbury dairy milk, milk chocolate, to use the copyrighted term, and it's all flaky, right? And you eat it and it drops on you. But the twirl, I think, is the flake with a coating of non-flaky Cadbury dairy milk, milk chocolate, so that you can eat the twirl and then maybe only a little bit goes on your shirt. Wait, you just said milk, milk chocolate. Yeah, it's dairy milk, milk chocolate. How is that written, though? I mean, is it like dairy So it's like Cadbury and then dairy milk with like the registered or copyright or trademark thing and then milk chocolate as the actual general product. Oh, man, milk, milk chocolate. That's because it's milk, milk. Because every 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 block comes with a glass and a half full cream dairy milk. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Wow. Just like that, huh? And that's an ad right yeah. back from the age. That's probably before Martin was born. A that glass ad. and a half. No, they they still use that. A glass and a half. Yeah, no, but do you remember the old? Say. Do you remember the old scientist guy that they had? The famous scientist guy. Oh, maybe not. Maybe this before my time. He did the and experiments you- with the kids. <laughs> I think that's illegal. <laughs> and you get four hundred milliliters of milk. If you liquefy the children, you get a glass and a half. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, it was a bit. <laughs> It's kind of like our version of the Colonel, the KFC Colonel. Oh, like a Colonel okay. Panic? Was it Dr. Julius, was it Sumner, no, Julius Sumner Miller? I don't know. Julius Caesar, I think is who you're thinking of. Okay, that's a YouTube research project right there. But you watch it and the guy says, only a glass and a half full cream dairy milk <laughs> in every block of Capri's chocolate. Full cream dairy milk, though, is not milk, right? I mean, full cream would be cream. Yeah. They just want to say the fact that there's dairy in it, so it slightly convinces you that there's calcium in the chocolate. Oh, or something. it's not just complete garbage in there. Oh wait, it's four fifty nine. <laughs> okay. Well, what if we just kept going for like an hour and yeah. forgot to even do it? That'd be so good. <laughs> Start whenever you like. Um. All right. I'm gonna. Okay. It's fun. Oh wow! Everything's making noise because it's five o'clock. Oh. Love it. It's on. Wow. It's on. It is on. Is it working though? We don't know. Could be. Maybe someone's hearing this. Maybe they're not. Good question. I'm not seeing anything yet. Oh, there it is. Okay. This is pretty exciting. Hey, yeah. Wow. Have you ever done anything live? I haven't. No. Uh, my whole life has been live so far, but not in a performance context. No, mine's all pre-recorded. Hey, do you guys do you guys want to hear a joke? Yes, absolutely. I'd love to hear a joke. Yeah. Okay. Uh, knock knock. Who's there? Hello and welcome to Hemispheric Views Live from Micro.Camp. This is pretty exciting, guys. What do you reckon? It's exciting. I mean, if anything's a joke, it's us. So I totally agree with that joke. (laughs) (laughs) Well, look, I'm absolutely thrilled to be here with my co-hosts, Andrew Canyon and Jason Burke. Uh, We're absolutely thrilled to be live participants at Micro.Camp. Micro.Blog, after all, was where... Really, Hemispheric Views started. I think we met each other here. We started gas bagging. 
talking rubbish and now people actually spend their time subscribing and listening to that rubbish in their podcast app. So thank you everyone for joining us. I think we should do a little bit of a time check though because it's a bit weird. Uh, Jason, what time is it where you are? It's so strange. It is 5 p.m. in Portland, Oregon right now when normally it is 4 a.m. for me when we're doing this. So it's very strange. You're very awake. You look very energetic, fresh. I'm ready to go. It's live. How about you, Andrew? Yeah, I'm almost got the Jason effect. It is 8.02 a.m. in gloomy Perth, Western Australia. Had to set the alarm to make sure I didn't oversleep. You know, I'm, but I'm ready to go now. I'm good to go. I've got my glass of water. I've had my cup of tea. Don't you love how it never? It doesn't matter when we record. He always seems to have like an okay time, regardless of when we do it's this. Perth. It's it's perfect. <laughs> Come on, guys. Center of the world. And look, here in Wollongong, it's actually beautiful, bright, and sunny. But I have to say, it's fraught with danger whenever I record or do anything in the day, because at any given time, you could hear cockatoos or rainbow lorikeets screeching outside you could hear my neighbors upstairs doing tap dancing and stilettos on wooden floorboards you could hear a toilet flushing upstairs you could hear a baby crying so i apologize to everyone it's a bit crazy during the day here in wollongong but um moving to our topics no no okay. no it is not okay oh I've, it's already been interrupted what do you <laughs> that's want, right Andrew? come on martin part of the course um look i <laughs> need to point out that in our recording schedule the last one that went out to our feed was episode 34 and I was thinking about this in the shower last night. And I was thinking, next one, episode 35, that's the microblock. No, hang on. It's not episode 35. This is episode 30 live. Man. Ah, oh, well done. Just raise well itself. Done, <sighs> so, yeah, that's the official, the official nomenclature of this episode now is episode 30 live. How long did you spend in the shower to actually come up with that? Oh, it's probably 45 minutes at least. <laughs> I was going to say, your hair's glistening. That makes sense. <laughs> the hot water ran out, you know, it was like, oh, no. But the bright uh-huh. idea hadn't arrived yet, so I had to keep pushing through. Good on you. So your whole family suffered through cold showers last night for that joke. I hope yep, everyone yep. listening is appreciative of that. <laughs> um, okay, so moving to our topic. Today, we thought we would talk about something really predictable, but, you know, who knows where it goes because we don't plan these things, really. We're here because of micro.blog. Micro.camp is the event. So blogging brought us here. But when we thought about blogging, There's so much that comes to mind, you know, public versus private, how we decide to use our blogs. How does it differ between what's written, what's audio, what's video? What does it really mean to blog these days? So I think we were going to start, Jason, you had a particular suggestion about using a blog publicly. Do you want to kick us off with that? I would love to. Yeah, Um, there's been. So for the people that are in a time zone similar to yours, there's been a good bit of talk throughout the day today about blogging by various people during microcamp and you can actually see those videos within the interface you're listening to this right now at any time and those will be available for a while but something that i have been thinking about in terms of my personal blog is using it not only as a public repository but kind of a reference materials section as well not only for myself Mm. but for others when you look at things like typical social networks day to day they're very it's here and then it's gone and then it's here and then it's gone. They're kind of searchable, but not really. And they're really more meant for hard hitting fast, you know, hot takes on whatever. But I, I like to think of my blog or just blogs in general as more of a kind of like archive.org kind of thing, right? Where this information is meant to live on for not just the next five minutes or next five weeks, but really forever. So I've 
tended to start using my personal blog as just that um, for myself and for others. So sometimes I use it in a selfish standpoint where I will actually document something very thoroughly, like for instance, like the YouTube DL stuff that I keep updated constantly. I use that as an excuse to make myself annotate all that stuff down <laughs> so that I have a way to get back to it later. And I, I use the excuse to myself that this is going to be useful for other people too. So it kind of forces me into documenting it really well. Um, I have to think this is kind of like when people write code that some people write really good comments, some people write really bad comments, and some just don't comment at all. So I like to think of this as my commenting to the public of my, quote, source code that I write. Well, I've appreciated that post, even if nobody else has. I refer to it quite regularly. <laughs> Whenever my setup breaks, I'm like, oh, no, where's that bookmark? <laughs> Yeah, I, I, similarly with my, my blog, why, why do I write a blog? Um, why do I run two blogs? That's, that's another question. Um, but my primary motivation is actually to find other souls. I think it's probably if I boil it all down, I'm looking for some kind of connection, I guess. And that's been the greatest thing about the micro.blog service is that you do get that. There's, there's sort of a built-in network of other people. You feel like you aren't just firing stuff into the void. So that is one of my primary reasons for why I do it. I, I, like Jason, I like to sort of feel like I'm helping build the hive mind because how many times do you Google stuff, you're trying to figure out something or work something, how, how to do something, and you find a blog? Unfortunately, that's less now because it tends to be like everybody just puts stuff on YouTube, which is kind of annoying, not really how I want to figure things out. I want to read a blog and learn. I don't want to watch a guy saying, hey, guys, thanks for joining me on this YouTube video. I like that you put an American accent on there. Oh, they're the worst, right? <laughs> oh, Americans. Oh, goodness. Oh, I think most of go. our listening audience is probably in the Northern Hemisphere, though, so don't shoot us in the Watch the disconnections happen. <laughs> What I'm definitely not blogging for money or stats. And if I were, I'm doing it really badly because I'm not running any ads and I'm not running. I think I've got one stat tracker on Blot, I think because I turned on when I signed up and I've never turned off, but I've never looked at it. So I'm not doing, I have no idea if anybody ever looks at my blog other than the microblog comments. It's just to, to have a, put a, put a flag in the, in the turf and say, I, I exist. The YouTube thing is huge because it's you always find videos of stuff, but then it's so damn hard to actually get to the part you're looking for. Whereas in an article, it's you know Command F or uh, mm. Windows Key F or, or whatever, uh, and you can just search for it. But yeah, the 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 video thing is super annoying. Videos are great, but they don't always have what they want, and you have to remember that, like all these videos are meant to serve the algorithm. So whatever the keywords are or any of the, you know, metadata crap, it might not actually be in there, but it's more just meant to make sure that video monetizes well. So uh, yeah, the, the blog text, it's text. So if it's not in there, it won't be found, which I find to be very nice. Mm -hmm. At this point, I can't help but take the piss out of Andrew a little bit. Before you started blogging publicly, Andrew, was your journaling or blogging taking place in spreadsheet cells? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I, I've been blogging. It feels like I've been blogging forever. Like I had a movable type blog and all that kind of stuff. Spreadsheet cells are for calculations, all right? If you can't recalc on them, it's not 
it's not an appropriate use of a spreadsheet. But surely there's some really interesting data in there, Andrew, about, you know, the number of uh, blog posts going up and the average and the average number of characters across them. There's a lot of stuff that you could be finding out here. Actually, that's a good point. See, so, yeah, I thought so. I want to do some. In- I actually want to. Okay. Can we get Manton onto that? Can we get some data extraction tools? No, no, some- no. Don't put it onto Manton oh, now. This is oh, your responsibility. Wait a second. All right, all right. Wait, actually. Hold on. Unannounced trivia corner. I yes. knew you would do this. Yes. I knew you would Unannounced do this. trivia corner comes to you live, and this could not be a better tie-in. Question one. Damn it, boy. How many posts does Andrew currently have on micro.blog? <laughs> He's actually looked into it. Jeez. Andrew, you have to go first. It's about you. It, is, it, is it a multiple choice, or is it just a raw number? Well, I was going to let you banter, and then I was going to have you you guess. Uh, your Your choices are... 1,205, 806, <laughs> 1,683, or 2,408. Wow. You first, Andrew. Well, I guess I have to go first. Um, I'm going to go 806. Okay. I'm not that You are productive. locked in. Mm, I think he's underestimated. I'm going for C. Okay. Good choices. Question number two. How many backers did the original micro.blog Kickstarter have way back in 2017? Can you believe it's been since 2017 already? It's crazy. Your answers are 1,375, 3,080, 2,785, or 4,298. I'm going to jump in and say the one with 4,000, the last one there. I reckon there was a lot of support. Okay. I'm going to say 2,785. Excellent. Your answers are locked in. And thank you for playing Unannounced Trivia Corner. Now, are you continuing... God, all of this unexpected tomfoolery. Are you, are you actually going to ever share the answers or are you going to leave, you're going to leave our listeners completely disappointed? So I think, the, I think the next thing we should probably talk about in terms of blogging... <laughs> Just move on. ...is the fact that blogging can be very fickle... And the funny thing about blogging is that oftentimes, and I'm guilty of this myself, changing blogging platforms tends to become more of the actual use of a blog than the actual writing of content within it. And I'm not Mm. trying to shame anyone when I say this because I've done this over and over and over. But I think it's interesting that so many people, when we talk about blogging, want to, we want to blog more. We talk about blogging more and then we don't and we instead like fiddle with a MySQL database for five days or something. So for me, the the micro.blog connection to my actual blog helps that in the sense that I don't have to feel this pressure that I think a lot of people do of if it's not a ton of words or formatted perfectly or this, you know, masterpiece of writing that I'm, it's never going to happen. I can just put stuff in 280 characters and it's still kind of somewhat related to my main blog. So I'm, I, I'm assuming both of you have changed blogging platforms over the years. I'm going to guess Martin probably got set up one and then never changed it. Cause he just uses the same stuff always. I know. Andrew Whatever was default. Changed, yeah. <laughs> He's probably still using iWeb or something, but, um, <laughs> Oh, how did you know? <laughs> I'm wondering how many times you've changed and if you have felt like by changing, you've somehow accomplished your blogging, you know, want. 
Andrew, you go. Well, I was going to say, no, we're, no, 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 I was going to say, we should actually, we should actually completely switch, you know, podcasting platforms right now, mid-show, just to see what happens, and let's tinker with it, and let's see if all the listeners make it over to the new feed. I reckon we could do it. <laughs> I'm working on it now. Anyway, you go first, Andrew. Oh, okay. Well, I've been, yeah, I've been on. Like I mentioned earlier, I was, I was on Movable Type, um, way back when, and then I did the WordPress thing for a while. I had a blogger, that was a thing. Uh, so I've, I've been through all the platforms, I think. This is probably the most stable I've ever been in terms of blogging platforms. I feel wonderful that I don't have WordPress in my life. I don't have to think about plugins. That's the cool thing about, micro, like you said, micro.blog. It's just there. It just works. I like the fact it's so easy to get stuff in. I use Mars Edit, or I can use the microblog app, or I can use Gluon. Um, I can use Drafts. There's so many ways browser extensions there's so many ways to get stuff into it and you don't it's really all really easy which i love and then i have blot on the other side of the equation which i set up because i was intrigued in the uh the methodology rather than needing another vlog <laughs> ah funny um and that's actually a bit of a you got to futz around to get stuff into it which is not actually the value proposition for blot the idea is that you write something, you save it in Dropbox, and it's a text file in Dropbox, and it goes on your website. Of course, I overcomplicate that because I don't want Dropbox running on my machine. So then I have to use Git, and suddenly you're, you're doing version management and version control on your computer and doing diffs, and I'm writing like, when I, I just want to post a blog, and I'm having to like write code notes as to why I'm pushing this change. And it's like, this is all ridiculous. So it's this huge level of friction that prevents me from actually blogging there very much. But I still like that. That That's kind of like the fun, techie, nerdy side of it all. So it exists to satisfy that itch. But on a day-to-day basis, if I just want to shove something up, it's uh, it's micro.blog. And I don't really see that changing now. I think I've settled into a steady state. Sorry, shove something up where, Andrew? Oh, on on the internet. Ah, oh, good. Okay, just not not me. not in a shoebox app. I don't need to shove it into a uh, a Yojimbo database at this point in time. To be clear, we well, do we do not have the the buzzer uh, bleeper for live. So <laughs> let's uh, remember that. Mostly, I'm trying to remind myself of that. Oh, we do. Oh no, there it is. No, it just takes a minute. It just doesn't sync with anything. Um, <laughs> so I'll jump in for this one. Uh, you're absolutely right that I tend to be Mr. Default with everything. Not because I'm lazy or uninterested. It's just, you know what? I've thought about it. I've chosen what I want. And I'm going to stick with it because I want that stability of writing. I think our motivations are a bit different. People who've listened to this show before know that different things make us tick. Um, I love the act of writing in general. So once the platform's chosen, unless something absolutely collapses or isn't working. It's like, you know, I'm happy with this. And I've kind of, I think I even said this a while ago when I spoke to Gene on Micro Monday, the thing that I loved about micro.blog and the reason why I've stuck with it alongside a totally different account for WordPress with a different site is that it enables me to do different things on each platform. WordPress just kind of continues the extended writing that I did when I started that account at university because they said, you know what, you're in a communications course, everyone needs a blog. You know, this is when everyone was still kind of hopeful and utopian about that old world, I suppose you can say. This is how you will, you know, get jobs and do things. And so I kind of chugged along doing that. But then micro.blog entered my life and I went, wow, there's a kind of versatility or lightness to this, you know, and I, I get on there and I never feel the need of changing or tinkering or moving away because it's like, oh, these people are using it for like 
Instagram photo sharing, or this person's using it to do a microcast, or this person's doing it for extended writing or sharing or connecting to their other blog. So there never really seems to be much pressure to change or be a certain type of person on micro.blog because it's kind of that, you know, WordPress meets Twitter meets Instagram, but ad free and everyone can just kind of be themselves. So that's why I stay and that's why I love it so much. Um, and you know, you can meet people like you too. So I've, I've never really had that drive to change or tinker with things or, or leave in that kind of sense. It's, it's hard to talk about micro.blog and not have some of the other stuff or other services rather come up in that conversation, right? Like mm. your Twitters and your Facebooks and your whatever the heck else there is this moment. I'm, I'm wondering now, cause we were talking about this earlier during microcamp of micro.blog kind of being blog first, which, you know, it's kind of obvious since it's, it's in the name blog is there. Right. But I'm curious how, if you guys, think about or when you maybe tell someone else about it do you approach it as being more of a timeline based micro posty type thing or a blogging platform that also has the kind of micro post stuff because they're they're kind of the same thing but i think depending on which door you enter through it can be a very different conversation so i don't know if if, mm. if that has ever come up for either of you maybe martin go ahead um most of the people i talk to about it aren't really part of the blogging or tech enthusiast world so i introduce it to them fairly differently so i just brought up then for example the words instagram and twitter so i say to them you know instagram and twitter and they say yeah and they look kind of worried and i say you know all the stuff that you don't like about that how things aren't in order and stories are leaping out at you and it's all just messy and you've got ads and stuff and they go yeah and i say imagine all the best things about short posts if you want to do it that way and photos right without any of that crap in it. And they go, oh, and I say, so it's this beautiful world that doesn't have this algorithmic pressure on you. And that's the thing sometimes, and this might sound like a weird way to put it because everything's generally about engagement these days. But sometimes I find myself using micro.blog less because the pressure's not on me to jump and check on it every five minutes. I can go in with purpose and focus and intention, engage with people. I might not be back for a week, but it's not eating away at me, you know, making me feel bad about my involvement. So I try to sell it to people as a place where you can go in and make genuine connections. And I try not to focus too much on the extended writing part because not everyone's into that. Mm. That's super interesting. I've noticed that as well, where previously on other platforms, like if you were gone for that five minutes, you're nobody now. Like, who are you? You you're completely forgotten. Where now I I can go to sleep, wake up the next day, and it's totally fine. Nothing happened that was horrible for me. And I might get a reply to something that I posted eight months ago. And it's like, it doesn't matter. It's it's not like, oh, why are you replying to something that's super old? It's like, oh, cool. They found something that I said eight months ago and continue the conversation. It, mm. It's just, it's such a, it's real time, but it doesn't have to be, which is, it, it's very unique in that respect, I find. I don't think there's anything else like that that comes to mind for me. So, so this, um, so microblog sort of got, joined, the, joined the dots between us three and it's led to not blogging, but an audio production. Um, of microblog has many features. Yes, you can also run a podcast through it. Um, but really, write, writing on a blog and recording a podcast where you're speaking 
contemporaneously is to extemporaneously sorry get my words right is um that was for martin yeah. is uh it's really important Thanks to, so much yeah you know i'll hear about it later if i didn't but they're so different <laughs> but how do you guys how do you guys find the two like do you have a preference or you know because i'm finding the, this whole experience to be quite fun but they're very different things what, what do you guys reckon about writing versus blog um writing versus podcasting well i'll jump in here writing i absolutely love writing um and it's a very i mean people do it differently but for me it's a very personal smash the words out on the page and it's it's really an example of trying to get your own introspective thoughts out in some way that you can either keep for yourself in a journal or share out in the public open world as we started with our first subtopic podcasting especially with you two guys and then when it builds out into a community of people like we have on discord in our public discord or on micro.blog you realize that through that active conversation like what we're doing right now it's a very shared experience i can't just take over the whole show jason can't do it andrew can't do it we have to share so we're kind of co-creating this participatory space which then ends up bleeding into and connecting this broader ecosystem of micro.blog posts or chats in a group. So there is a distinction of sharing the experience, but it ends up connecting to the very writing that started the whole thing in the first place. And then it wraps back on itself with hemispheric news, right? Because we do the newsletter, <laughs> which is then kind of blog posty in itself. And then we talk over each other, which is you can't do in writing. So that's nice. No, I was going to say, wasn't Martin's answer the answer of somebody who's writing a PhD doctorate in this stuff? Like, Wow. Thank you, doctor. Could be. Let's hope I finish it. Otherwise, you're just going to hear me banging on podcasts about this for all time oh, with God. no actual conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh. Um, yeah. So look, I just think the audio enables you to be much more intimate with people. Um, I've obviously made two friendships with you guys, but you know, the fact that it now involves people who are now contributing to this chat, it's great to see some familiar names in the actual microcamp site chat right now. And that's an example of writing, right? They're writing their own thoughts and putting it on a site, but they're sharing with other people. And we're audio recording live, but we're acknowledging what was written. So everything just kind of bleeds into this soup of communication. And that's what I think is really exciting about this. Mm. I, f I find that writing... Writing has always come easily to me. Um, mm. I, I'm not one that feels the need really to write outline, especially for blog post length stuff. I don't need to outline and plan. I can just write, write a few paragraphs. Yep. It's pretty, yep. pretty straightforward. But it comes with very little enjoyment for me. There's n very rarely do I enjoy the process of writing, even though I don't really struggle with it. This, but speaking, I find that much harder, but it's, it's quite thrilling there's a, mu there's a much greater level of enjoyment in doing this, even though it's more challenging in some ways than, than writing a blog post. It's, it, and, and the great thing about doing a podcast, you can always edit it. You can always, uh, you can't, but it is a lot more cumbersome to edit a podcast than a uh, blog post. It's just interesting, the two, the two forms. Um, but what do I love more? I definitely love doing the podcast stuff more, even though I would consider myself to be an introverted person who should be squirreled up behind his keyboard. <laughs> it's, it's a strange thing. Well, we discovered that on a previous episode, didn't we? For anyone who listened in the past, thank you very much. We actually did a full business style personality test that you recommended, Andrew. And it's amazing just how different along that introversion, extroversion spectrum we were. I, I did not know that I would explode that far beyond both of you on the E side. 
Because you both, I mean, that's the thing. You both come across as, you know, very, I suppose, extroverted speakers on this. But yeah, maybe you do feel more comfortable with the writing. What do you reckon about all this, Jason? The only problem with podcasting that I'm finding in terms of that versus writing is a little bit of the YouTube issue that we talked about before, that you have mm. the, the density of information that's packed into a podcast is just so much greater than in a post on the web and kind of by design, right? I think you want to write a post that's meaningful, but at the same time, you don't want every blog post to be 72 million words, right? Because certain people will always read every 72 million word post, but the vast majority of people won't. And a podcast kind of feels like that, where if it's an hour or whatever, there's a lot of information in there that's not super readily available or easy to access. So I think something like show notes is a great thing. I, I think I personally love shows that have very, very detailed show notes so that you can either mm -hmm. look at it while you're listening, or maybe you just want to skim through and see what that episode is to see if it's really something you need to be doing right now or want to listen to. Um, I'll be the first to admit, I don't think every episode of every podcast needs to be listened to. That's just the way it is, depending on the show. I mean, if it's an episodic show, sure. But if it's informational, maybe you only need certain chapters or certain parts of it. So to have a detailed outline show notes of each episode, I think is super important. But even past that, I, I, I really think a lot of these podcasts slash services need to enable things like full text transcripts so that they're more accessible by more people. Because maybe you're in a scenario where you're looking for a piece of information and it's in that podcast, but I can't get to it without listening to, you know, 14 minutes of audio where if I were in an environment where I could just skim some text, that would be better. So I think the accessibility of podcasts maybe needs to get a little bit better. But overall, I think I do prefer the podcast thing, even though it's, or I should say the edited podcast thing. I don't know about <laughs> the live portion so much because you can't edit it. But the edited podcast just feels like when we do a show every other week, it's usually, I don't know, anywhere between 45 minutes to like three hours. It's It could be anything. <laughs> And then it gets edited down to this nice, crisp 44-minute thing every other week. And it's just, I think, a really nice way to package up information um, to be consumed by others. That being said, I mean, I'm loving seeing comments pop up in this feed here on the MicroCamp site. This is a kind of feedback we don't normally get uh, you know, in written form while we're doing our recordings. So this comes to a point that I think uh, one of you added to our little topic tool here, comments on or off. What do you think about that? Ah, uh, yes. Uh, do you want me to, I will, I will go first. You <laughs> talked about stats earlier, Andrew, and I don't have any stats on my blog. I know for a fact, I read it more than anyone else. That's a given. There's no <laughs> Except way. Except the YouTube DL post. I reckon I'm beating you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Um, so yeah, no stats. And then comments I have off, which I have mixed feelings about. I, I have them off. Mostly because there, I don't see there to be a good technical way for me to do it with my current setup that I'm happy with. It's kind of a bolt-on, hacky, ugly crap fest in terms of comments. Uh, spam sucks. I don't want someone else to come to something that I've handcrafted the way I want it to look and then have it be bombarded with a bunch of BS at the bottom that's probably not relevant and probably just ads for, you know, insert your um, pill of choice that they're trying to push on you. 
So I generally leave all that stuff off. I like, I guess in a perfect world, I would love to have, and yes, I know this is possible with the indie web stuff and I haven't gotten to it yet, but to have this web mention type thing somehow play back into where when I post a blog post to micro.blog, those comments maybe are included, but I still don't know. I, I, I think I'm still on the 50% side of, I just don't want comments on my, you know, Burke.io page. If they want to exist separately on micro.blog, totally fine. I'm happy to have a conversation there about it, but I just don't know if I'm ready to accept all this other stuff happening there for me personally. I don't know. It's I'm conflicted. I go back and forth on it. Currently, I track nothing and I have no no kind of feedback on my actual blog itself other than micro.blog separately. I have mine turned I have comments turned on um and it's probably cuz it's it's a such a small rarely rarely visited site that it kind of doesn't matter and and the comments you do get are generally civil and I can point to it and say look mom look people do read my stuff. Yeah, so <laughs> and your mom is involved actually very well. Yeah, I know. You got to watch out for, for mum. <laughs> she, she's quick to call me out on things. Um, yeah, so I don't mind on bigger sites. You know, on the as soon as you get to the New York Times sort of stuff, get rid of comments on that because everybody's just pushing their own barrow. Like they're not there to actually have a conversation. They're there to make noise, and it's it becomes a Facebook page immediately. So I think for indie sites, I don't mind having comments on, but not for big ones. Yeah, and comments serve different purposes on different sites, don't they? Because I don't really have comments on the blog that I keep on WordPress. I love the fact that the replies work so well on micro.blog for the comment uh, for the functionality there. Um, but podcasts, like you were saying before, Andrew, that difference between writing and audio, we accept a whole heap of comments in that sense. It's not attached to the audio necessarily, but when you consider micro.blog and the hemispheric views uh, presence we have there, Twitter, Discord, etc. Even the comment thing that I just pointed out here on the microcamp site that we're looking at now, really podcasts and, and audio feed off that commentary because you want to know what people actually thought of what you had to say. So I, I think in the audio realm, comments actually serve an even nicer purpose because that's the communication that you open up with listeners and friends online. It, it seems a lot more enriching than the comments that you see on a news site or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And I guess some podcasts, I mean, they spend half their ep- each episode with follow-up talking about the comments that they've received from between the, sh- the last show and this show, you know, so it, it comes self-referential, if that's a way to put it. One slight correction, I guess I do have a public email address on there and I, I have that because I, I am, mm. I am genuinely interested in what people's original thoughts are about anything that I've done, but not necessarily after having read 15 or 16 other opinions and then trying to form their own opinion after they've already been kind of diluted by what they've just read by 15 or 16 other people. So I kind of feel like I would rather them just say, you know what? I have a strong opinion about what you just said. Click, send me an email and, and, and send it to me. I, I, I think I prefer that currently in the way things work. It's almost like I would rather have it be leave a comment and then comments unlock or something. I don't know. It's a weird thing, and I think maybe it's a lot from the past being just negatively impacted by comments for so many years that you just shun away from it entirely, being that it is the internet and it's it's 
mostly a horrific place <laughs> with a few kind of shining lights here or there. So I think that might be part of why comments are just instantly a no, but maybe it's time to reassess. Now, I reckon we've very nicely wrapped up the world of blog posts and why we use these different services. Now, honestly, everyone listening, we did not expect unannounced trivia corner before. That was a nice surprise for all of us. One task that we did set for Jason, Jason went towards his microphone to shock me with something else, but I'm going to keep going. Um, we did set a task for Jason to come up with some form of conversational question for we Southern Hemispherians, right? I don't know what he's decided to ask us, but if you've listened to previous episodes, he's asked us about anything to do with meat pies through to attitudes on hot sauce. And we've discussed footwear, which was a very controversial conversation. Jason, what do you what have you actually decided to ask today? Have you both heard the good word about one prime? Pl- no, I'm kidding. I'm not actually. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Not really. Um, the only one I came up with for today was... Are, so in Australia, where you both reside, mm-hmm. both on the east yep. and the west, is it a thing for people to bring pets around with them, usually smaller, <laughs> hand-holdable type pets, around as it were an accessory type of deal, slash just bringing it into stores, regardless of what the store's policy is, um, as just, do people have pets as kind of an accessory versus a pet is that a thing there now just just to be clear because you've used the word accessory yeah. there you're talking about live pets that will actually maybe do a poop or something not digital pets like australia just caught up with the tamagotchi or no 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 i think tamagotchi are still legal there i believe they're not on the endangered <laughs> list in australia yet yeah a a small dog perhaps or maybe there you might have um a wallaby or maybe a, <laughs> a tiny kangaroo on a leash, something that like would that. Be a, that would be a quokka. <laughs> oh, a quokka. I love a quokka. Oh, they're always so smiley. Um, yeah, I'm happy to take this one first, yeah, unless you want to, Andrew. No, go ahead. This is All right, I'll jump in. Um, coming to mind, I'll tell you, maybe it's because I live in more of a regional city. I mean, Wollongong is a, it, it's a city. It's classed as such, but it's not really <laughs> Sydney or Melbourne. Uh, I don't really see people carrying pets around with them, particularly into shops or different businesses. Uh, I think if I were to see that, I'd be a little bit puzzled, uh, to be honest. Um, You actually have reminded me, though, that when Natasha and I visited the US when, you know, unrestricted international travel was still a thing. What's all that about? Uh, I remember we were actually in a pharmacy in San Francisco Mm. and this really, really, I want to say dressed up. It was almost like a formal event this woman walked into the pharmacy and she had i think it was a chihuahua on a lead wearing a bright red puffer jacket (laughs) and we just stopped and went what on earth have we just seen because it wasn't like the handbag thing or you know carrying it around this dog was as equally dressed up as her for this american winter and we went well now we've seen everything but then now you've made me actually think while we didn't go into shops with a pet um our beloved uh now 
has left us, uh, White Guinea Pig Parko, who we loved very dearly. We actually used to get some strange looks because we would take him out in this little travel harness thing that he hated, <laughs> um, like on the lawn near the beach in Wollongong. And we'd sit there with hot chips or our coffee and people would walk past and do this double take thinking, what the hell is that? And then they'd work out it was this fluffy little rodent Parko and come over and say, is that a guinea pig? And we'd say, yeah, you, do, do you want to pat him? And they're like, oh my goodness, yes, thank you. And they'd come and pat our guinea pig by the beach. So we'd never take a pet into a shop, but we did take a guinea pig out like it was a dog okay fair yeah i i think that was my follow-up question for you martin was it when you were here and we met up uh in yeah. the bay area i'm sure you would have come across this so I, I figured that this would have been a thing for you when you were here yeah, yeah absolutely and it was uh, a thrilling uh showcase of american culture okay what about wa i feel like wa is a little more on the uh having small dogs in stores but maybe not um i don't think so i think it, mm. i don't know if there's there's probably bylaws mm. restricting it i would that would be my initial sort of presumption that this there's got to be a law against this kind of thing um because i know there's a lot of exemptions for guide dogs sure they yeah, actually yeah. have to specifically exempt guide dogs from uh, yeah yeah same here. other laws yeah, this is strictly a so, a non non I don't want to say non-useful pet, but a yeah. just a a no, so regular pet. Generally, um, and this is probably some of my own biases coming through here, but generally, I think most people certainly are. If you took a dog into a shop, you'd get looked at, and you'd be like, "Come on, mate, yep. get get real." Like, and if it's if it's not a if it if it's smaller than a cat, it's not really a dog anyway. So come on, get a get a real pet, you know. Um, <laughs> You got to take that sort of Australian Just approach. To here it. We go. Oh no! Look, it's it's an Australia. It's, it's Australia, <laughs> right? You know, so so you, what you'll find is you'll find dogs left outside. You know, that yes. you've gone for a walk and you tie your dog up outside, and people come in and out, and they'll say, "Oh, good day, mate," and give the dog a little pat. And depending, yeah, on and there'll be look. kids congregating around the dog, and it's very sweet. We see that yep. all the time down the road at the front of our grocery shop yeah so that's more the approach but if you take that same said dog into the store suddenly it turns from a cute little puppy dog to a what the hell is that thing doing in here get it outside yeah okay yeah. actually can i just turn very quickly to some of the comments that we have on the micro.cam site Please because do. i mean there's been some great stuff about the like the blogging before really really good things. Hey, Ma martin you can't you can but i've got i've got a job to do i'll go <laughs> Okay. Yeah, we need sound effects. Okay. Comments. Now I can continue. Thank you. That's fine. That was almost a um, tragedy. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've got uh, things here like Gene, oh, emotional support koalas. That would actually be great. If they weren't endangered, every Australian should actually have one. I would gladly welcome one. Uh, Watch out for their claws. They're very sharp. Yeah, they are. They're and not trying to eat you if you have eucalyptus on you because that's all that they eat. Actually, mm -hmm. they don't drink water. I don't know if many people know that. They get all their... <laughs> water needs from the leaves fun fact for this our has been koala corner. <laughs> um we've also got uh, leon making the point about people taking dogs into cafes that's true i mean some babies get baby chinos and then you'll see that little dog bowl mm -hmm. for dogs you've yep. seen that andrew is that yep. an american thing to have that little bowl outside a cafe a lot of places do yeah and i think there it's... there's like a uh, there's something that the uh, the starbucks place has it's like a thing for dogs it's like a puppuccino or something like that i'm not sure yes i remember seeing something that. like right, that I think. yeah, yeah. I, I think it's literally just a cup of like whipped cream which doesn't seem good but <laughs> oh God. i don't know okay. 
Um, oh my goodness. I'm seeing stuff about spiders in here. Now, for people who've listened to our show for a little while now, you might recall that we had an HV mini episode that featured discussion of Huntsman. I can see here that Simon has made a comment and so has uh, Pete about large spiders. Now, I just want to clarify because a lot of people I think who haven't been to Australia or, you know, aren't, aren't from Australia are terrified of the spider situation. Basically, if it's small, you should maybe be cautious because a lot of the poisonous ones are small. The large ones, the huntsmen, they terrify me personally. And I've had too many run-ins with them in a car or bathroom or something. And then you have to have this double strategic situation of like the brush to flick it away or the vacuum to stop it from entering your bed sheets or something. It's just a nightmare. But um, yeah, occasionally you will be in a place of business or in your own home and a spider will just appear and everyone just goes, damn, what do we do now? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have you had that experience with spiders? Yeah. When this spider is, has more arm hair than me, that's when I get really oh. scared. And I know, like you said, they're probably less venomous than, you need to, than anything small, but oh, it's just gross. Yeah. And that's the problem. That's the biggest problem I've found becoming an adult and a dad is that suddenly mm. I'm expected to be able to handle these things. And you have to put a brave face on. I had a we, had a we had a worm in our lounge room yesterday. A worm. What, do you live in a swamp? How big was this worm? I know. So weird. And my, my, my five-year-old Benji freaked out. He's like, well, it's screaming. I went down there and there's a worm crawling across the floor. I'm like, well, I don't really want to deal with that worm either. But I guess I have to be brave about it. And... I threw it outside. Talking about screaming, though, there's a video that um, my sister-in-law continues to play on repeat over and over again every time we see her. Because one time I was visiting uh, her family's place, there was a gigantic huntsman in the corridor near the bedrooms. And I was enlisted uh, to crush the spider. Uh, and I know people don't really like that to crush the spider, but they often have like their babies nearby. And it can be quite an infestation problem if you're not careful. And they didn't want to deal with it. I mean, I was equally scared, but they sent me to do it. And in the video that they have, they are screaming their absolute lungs out and I'm swearing and they, they because I'm saying just stop screaming with expletives thrown in. And they just keep saying, Martin, we never hear you swear this way. We're just going to keep playing this video on repeat. So I'm cursed with this never ending video of having to deal with a spider <laughs> while I yell out the F word. Repeatedly. Uh, they should come. They should come visit me that I could fix that for them easily. Well, you, you had a little cute little spider you had to deal with the other day, didn't you, Jason? Yeah, it was adorable. It was like five inches long and it was very furry and apparently it was nothing. So can, can I bring up one more comment that I saw in the chat before? I know we're, we're a little bit over yep, we have a little bit of time. Go. Mraz brought up a point that drives me up the <laughs> freaking wall. <laughs> Hold on. Get the. Thank yep. you. <laughs> okay. um, she said, it really upsets me when community organizations switch away from actual websites slash blogs to something like Facebook. Mm. And that pisses me off so much. When you have a company with a global brand yeah, and then you take that and you say, come visit us at facebook.com slash whatever. What is at fire your whole brand department? They should all be fired immediately <laughs> the second that happened. That is the worst thing you could ever do, ever. Full stop. Sorry, that I read that and I got upset. You should be put in charge of all human resources, Jason. It would be very, very effective. <laughs> oh my, it's just so dumb. You, you work your whole life to build a brand and then you just throw it into the gutter that is Facebook. You gotta be kidding me. 
Anyway, that's all I had to say about that. Well, I think that's uh, I think you've done a great job bringing it full circle, Jason. We started with blogging. We meandered through the world of social media. We ended up on pets, puffer jackets, and spiders. And now we've just told every global brand to fire their stuff. And then I, I think that's a good everyone. way to end it. So you fired everyone. There you go. That's a podcast well done, boys. My goodness. One last piece of housekeeping. I just want to remind anyone that is left that if you have not already signed up to get your microcamp sticker sent to you it's in the left navigation under stickers and prizes and you think wait stickers okay that's a sticker what's a prize prize is door prizes all you have to do is go to the little form pick a category and we'll be do random well microcamp will do random drawing for one of the categories you'll get a, a cool prize so check that out under stickers and prizes and Thank you all for listening to Hemispheric Views live from Microcamp. It's been a blast. Yeah, do you think do you think we did okay? Uh is that okay? I think so. I don't think we lost anyone. I didn't. I have a confession. I didn't actually click uh, stream. I forgot to click the box on. So. Oh, Jason, You're you had one kidding. job. Far out. You're fired. Uh, let's see here. Three. Hang two, on, I've got, oh, my, whoa, I've got my window. Hold on. Hold on. He's got a small uh, screen. He's got to move his dock so I'm you can get drag the full. It back. Okay, okay. Okay. Count now. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Three, two, one. Stop.